Joseph Melillo sat down with Paul Benedict, Pamela Berlin, Tony Giordano, Woody King Jr., Steve Carter, Jack Hefner, and John Bishop to discuss the relationship between directors and playwrights in March of 1988. Hello, I'm SDC director-choreographer Edie Cowan, and you are listening to Masters of the Stage. This program is produced by the Stage Directors and Choreographers Foundation and presented by the SDCF and the American Theatre Wing. The SDCF has released these archives in an effort to further education regarding the crafts of direction and choreography. Because this program was not initially recorded for the purpose of broadcast, it is not of the highest technical quality. Portions of the conversation may have been edited to improve the overall quality of the broadcast. My name is Joe Milolo. I'm the director of the Next Wave Festival and Brooklyn Music, and I have the honor of being the moderator of this event. Uh, I'm now going to, again, introduce everyone on the panel. Jack Hefner, Steve Carter, Tony Giordano, Pam Berlin, John Bishop, and Paul Benedict. The first question that um, I want to address, and I'll be addressing it to Tony Giordano, is who are you as a director, Tony? What is the what is your professional definition of yourself, or your personal definition of yourself? Well, I, I've always thought of myself really as a director, period, somebody who puts on shows. Whether it's a new play or an old play, my job differs in how I go about the process, but I've been trying for 20 years to be as active in the profession as I can so that I really have, even when I began in the very, very beginning, I begged the gods not to give me one of those one hits in which you never again work after that, that somehow my career would be uh, a career that spanned many years, that worked in many different forms, that had as many opportunities of dealing with theater as I possibly could. Well, of course, I got my wish which is that I've had 20 years of complete active work and not one big commercial hit. Um, I think I have to have a new talk with the gods again. But anyhow, I think of myself primarily as a professional, uh, somebody who makes his living from directing plays and productions. Paul, how does your vision of yourself either complement or challenge Tony's definition as a director? Well, uh, I've made most of my living in the theater as an actor. I've always directed, starting from 1963, uh, but uh, seldom. Uh, uh, in a season, of, in two seasons of maybe 20 plays, I would direct one of the most wherever I was. Regional theater always. I've only been directing in New York for a couple of years, so in, in a sense, I'm fairly new to the game, and in a sense, I'm very old. I've been at it since '63, but I've, I've really only directed, I suppose maybe 12 plays. Um, uh, but I've begun to define myself more as a director, and uh, unlike Tony, who defines himself solely. Uh, I don't think I either challenge his uh, position. How do you see your job as a director? What is that Basically God, role? I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the, the, the appeal of it, certainly to someone who's acted for a long time, is it's... Uh, Autonomy is it's, it's a chance to pull the strings. It's a chance to kind of be the bottom line in a way. 
along my right. Um, really, that's really it. It's really uh, Steve being in a position of power. Yeah. Steve, as a playwright, can you share with us your art? You know, as a playwright, not your aesthetic, but this job, this professional job as a playwright. Yeah. I don't know if I would, if I would, uh, if I would call what I do. And I certainly think it's important. I get up every morning and I write. That's what I think my job is. I get up every morning, I write. I may throw out at the end of the day. I do that more often than not. But uh, basically, I never thought of myself as anything else but a writer. I never thought of myself as a producer or a director. It always it came as a big shock to me the first time somebody actually put on one of my plays and put some money in my hands. That was the, the, the greatest uh, shock. I didn't even realize, I think, that that's what it was done for. But um, uh, I just think of myself as just a person who uh, provides work for actors and directors and uh, provides some sort of um, means of income for producers, I guess. Uh, I... I uh, I say that because I've been the recipient of little of the largest that's handed out. So, uh, but uh, I still call it a very successful career. Uh, but as it, because it allows me to work, it allows me to make my living solely from playwright. So uh, uh, I just think it's, I'm just a playwright, which I think is the greatest thing in the world to do. Let me ask Jack Hepner the same question. Writer as a playwright. I agree with Steve. I, I knocked around in this business trying to be so many things for so long that just just finally have a definition that I'm a playwright. Uh, it could have been anything. Uh, I was writing plays at the same time I was acting, stage managing, and um, I think I've enjoyed more than anything else I've done. And maybe for the exact opposite reason that Paul said is that I don't want. I don't really want to be in charge. I like to to kind of sit back and, and watch someone else take my work and collaborate with me. Um, I've directed my own things, but I've never been the first production. Um, I, I really love writing. It's, it's the key to it. And um, often don't know what I'm working on um, and still don't know what some of these pieces of letter find a lot. But I get up every day to start these guys in the world and, um, and hope that somebody will do it. John Bishop, you wear both hats. How do you talk to both sides, director <laughs> and playwright? Uh, well, I was, because <clears throat> I started out as an actor, then I was a director for a long time before I even considered writing. I started writing 10 years ago. Uh... I don't know quite how to answer that. I like to do both, and I want to continue to do both. Sometimes I direct my own plays. Sometimes, as right now, down at Circle, another director's directing my plays. It just depends on, uh, I don't know, whim. <laughs> whim. And I, I also direct other people's plays. So I, when, when I'm working, that's a different process. I always have a dramaturg there if I'm the director who really acts as a playwright. But I'm pretty good about knowing which hat in rehearsal. Should this scene be rewritten or should it be uh, redirected? I learned how to do that. 
Pamela, as a director, what is the relationship that you uh, desire with the playwright? Um, I would say as things have turned out in the past, it's, it's usually been a bit of a marriage. I don't know whether that's what I desire, but that's what in fact it becomes um, while we're working together. Um, first of all, it, the relationship has to be, it, it has to be based on trust, and um, you hope and pray that that's there from the beginning. Um, I would say I've been really fortunate in that, that there have been some playwrights who have been at every single rehearsal. There have been some playwrights who uh, either have said, I need to go away for a week, or if I've said, I think you need to go away for a week, I have done so. And um, that kind of variable, you know, that, that has, uh, that's never been consistent in terms of uh, everyone's an individual. I would say mainly... A relationship of great, of great trust, because from that, in terms of whatever, that's across the board. Rewrites, casting, uh, editing, directorial choices, design choices, I mean, all of those things. I, I really feel most comfortable when the playwright really wants to get in on all of those things. Um, and most of the time, that's worked well, I would say. Tony, what relationship do you desire? Well, if I had my druthers, because when you've done as many shows as I have in such a long period of time, naturally I have an exception to everything I would ever say. But if I had the ideal circumstance, I would want more playwrights in America to have more opportunity to work as playwrights and to be part of production. Because I think one of the hardest things that happens in this country, we, the director, whether we've had a failed show or not, more often than not, are able to have a career. For 20 years, I've only directed, and I've directed probably an average prior to this year of maybe eight shows a year all over the country. So there's a lot of product that you eventually develop your craft from. You learn how to work, and you, uh, you, you measure yourself against that product. But I think most of the playwrights uh, are given one shot, and then if that fails, it takes them years before someone will take them seriously again. They don't get enough opportunity to become professional, to become able to understand what happens in rehearsal, when they should know the responsible moment for them to want to rewrite or not want to rewrite, or what there is that's going on that has to do really with production problems, and they will iron themselves out. It's just not enough experience of their craft. It's not a lack of raw talent or even vision. There's just not enough opportunity. And if I had my brothers, I would wish that that would happen more often so that when you were in rehearsal together with that writer, one of the things that happens a lot nowadays is the producer at some point leans over and asks you, to sort of do something about the play or the playwright, because the playwright is very often treated as the handicapped person, you know. And there's something so wrong in that from the very beginning. If we're going to do that person's play, that person has to be acknowledged as very, very, very vital to what we're all doing. And that person 
hopefully has had enough chance to know why they're working in the theater. So if I had my druthers, I would wish that we could give them more experience so more often there would be, I, don't, I, I almost want to say greater equality between the director and the playwright, but I only mean that not in talent, but only in uh, experience. I want to uh, welcome Woody King. Woody, I'm, I'd like to ask you a question that I've just posed to uh, Tony. What is the relationship that you as a director desire to play with? Uh, I think the first thing that, I'm, that I've always tried to do whenever I uh, was in a new play, uh, that the, uh, the writer uh, is very clear of what he wants from every scene. And once that relationship is sort of like established, and I really understand that, it makes it a lot easier. One of the things that I'm always afraid of in these uh, playwright-director relationships, of course, is that uh, it's not on paper, and the correction is done through the direction. And I think that was something you were talking about. Uh, and the correction that's done in the direction is always problematic because you can always change a person around, change an intent, but you can't change the words on the paper because once they're there, uh, they're there. And I think uh, that's uh, sort of like something I look for for the writer to know exactly what he meant or she meant by a scene uh, of the overall intent of what the piece might be about, uh, rather than uh, the simple fact of just getting the play on. But, uh, I think I found that getting the play on is really not the problem. <laughs> I now want to ask the reverse of that. Jack, what do you as a writer, playwright, desire in terms of a relationship with the director? Well, I think when I, when I first started, I, I was very lucky in having my first five plays directed by the same director, which I think spoils it a great deal. It's Garland Wright, and we started out, started out in college together, and it was it was a very interesting, you know, productive relationship. So that when I had to to find a, someone else I'd never worked with before, it's it's been horrifying ever since because I Garland and I understood each other from years and years of working together in in, in college theater. So I think now when I, I and I've worked with some good directors since, I think I'm always looking for my director, the one that's going to do all my work for the rest of my life or something which is sort of stupid but, but I real idealistic but um, I look for first of all I think someone who possibly can can interpret say to me out loud what my play is about that I I can't verbalize. Um, I know that's strange that the words are all there but I may oftentimes not know exactly what the whole thing is about or what, what the audience is going to think about it. and I think I, I'm using the director saying, what, what do you think this whole, this whole experience is going to be? And um, I, I think it's a very collaborative process for me. I don't always do what I'm, what I'm told, but I, I like to talk it through. I, I agree that if, if they have a director has every right, and I hope they always will say, this, this doesn't make sense, what this is about, you're not being clear, I don't understand it. And, um, and and to kind of fight it out, um, and um, I look for someone that will really challenge me. 
you all. Just uh, um, really, not just sit back and do my play, and a, a, a real relationship of, um, I've had a work of direction we never agreed the whole time, but I was very proud of, of the work. That didn't mean it was a compromise, it's just that um, something in the excitement of working together, the two of us, produced an exciting performance, got the actors excited. So it doesn't, all, I don't even know if we always have to be in agreement, but we have to also, um, I don't think you can ever present that to people you're working with. I think you always have to walk in um, with actors that the, that the director is given complete authority. Um, I would never, I mean, there's only, you can only listen to one person. Uh, other person with talent. Thank you, Jeff. Steve, the same question. Yeah, I, I don't exactly think of, uh, think of the relationship as a, a not. Don't like to think of it that. I like to think of it more in terms of the <laughs> And uh, that's because, because it is an affair. You can have disagreements uh, even more so than that. And uh, I'm one of the really lucky playwrights of this country because I actually know that everything I write can be put on at one of two places, one of two theaters, and they're both uh, fairly well known theaters. And my big problem is when I don't feel the play is ready, how to tell the artistic director not to produce it. Because uh, I, I do have, uh, you would think that I wouldn't think of that as a problem. But in the long run, it ends up to be a problem if the play really isn't ready to go and uh, somebody is just willing to just do your work. Um, I've had problems because of the plays not being ready. Uh, and the problems are things that I can recognize as they're not fully written. They're, they're just they really just weren't ready. But I wish all playwrights could have that problem. Um, and just to know that there are two theaters that have just about given their word that anything you write can be produced is just a great uh, feeling. Uh, I also was lucky in the fact that I come to these uh, two theaters uh, at the time I came to them my celebrity was greater than theirs. So uh, it, it sort of like gives me um, a sort of top position. And I've had to actually, with one of the directors, a, a director in Chicago who has directed most of my work, I've actually had to ask him to challenge me on uh, uncertain things. I think that's been good for, for uh, both the theater and the directors because um, now, they've gotten to the point of challenging me. I don't want them, really. <laughs> but um, it, it's, it's in the long run, it's better for my play because it does uh, make me look better. It makes me look deeper into my own work now that um, these people are responsibly uh, challenging me in, in my work and uh, getting me to do what I think is better work. Um, the main thing is that uh, and again, I say, I realize I am terrifically lucky that I know that everything I write will be produced somewhere. Thanks, you. Paul, as a director, do you have, believe you have a responsibility to the playwright? And if you do, what is that? And if you don't, why? Well, it's all about the playwright, finally. I think it's, it has to be. 
that's really the reason you're all there, and uh, that's what it's about. Um, responsibility is to, uh, once there's an agreement that you're going to go ahead with the production, the responsibility is uh, to do everything you can to, uh, to um, take what's, what's, what works and what's good about a play and make it happen, not to get in its way at all, and to take, to take what might be weak about the play and to support it and help work on it and uh, shift it. But it's all, I mean, it's... Um, that old cliche is true. It does start with the word. You've really got to uh, always start with the play, right? And your main concern is that. Um, and it's, I think from a director's point of view, the old trick is not to... Is if you've got a very good play, don't get in its way. And if you've got a weak play, make it uh, seem magnificent. Or get it to be magnificent in a four-week rehearsal period. Um, I could ask the same question to you, John. Do you believe you have a responsibility to the playwright as a, speaking to you as a director? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, my work at Circle Rep on that pervades the way I think about a play because the, the system, that was the process, I should say. It was begun by Marshall and Lanford down there. It's one that I think works and that uh, has to do with well, those two guys are exceptional. But they're like one mind and they work together. But I when I worked with Raphael's play this year, Salvador, I tried to find out exactly what he wanted. I, I love what Woody said because that's a, I wanted to know scene by scene what he thought the event was, what he thought the beats were. I think it's my responsibility to put his vision up there and if possible, no, put his vision up there, enhance, maybe or maybe not, get his vision up there. We had, he and I, an argument about the he was interesting. This is a new playwright. I don't want to talk forever, but this is a new playwright who'd never written a play and he wasn't an actor or a director, so he really didn't know anything about playwriting. He wrote a drama that was just pure gut emotion with no <laughs> sense of time lapse, you know. None. The guy, walk, the guy would say, well, I've got to go get a coke. He'd come back two minutes later and say a line. I'm going here. I'm going, you know. So I also not a lot of sense of the reality, so I put a lot of overtalk and a lot of, you know, naturalistic staging. But in the end, we had a very basic argument about what the play was about. And he came to me after I'd staged the last little moment that I thought was right, because I thought it was a political play, and said, no, I don't want that. And I told him he was crazy and yelled and screamed at him, but I, I did it his way, because that's his vision. I said, look, in the end, this is what he wants to see, not what I want to see. And so I just, I totally believe in that. Uh, I think of his director. Actually, I think a director is an editor. That's my word for it. And uh, by that I mean the actors, that's the work. It's the director's job to give a space where that work can happen, edit, shape it. But I don't like to myself get too much into you know, a lot of the other people's process, but that's just a circle rep of the work. Everybody kind of kicks in and everybody talks. It's very loose, actors, director. But the respect is mostly for the playwright. Put his vision up there, her vision. Pamela, same question. Well, I agree. I would say sometimes, um, I mean, ultimately the, the writer wrote the play, but I would say sometimes my uh, first obligation is to the play, even more than to the writer, because I think that sometimes the writer is not aware, you know, of all of the possible layers and, and you know, what else is there? I mean, that's part of doing the play and getting it up that we all, um, we who are working on it, the director, the, the actors, and the writer, and the audience, you know, see 
see layers, you know, ramifications, ripples. Um, I know this sounds naive, but it just dawned on me just um, this past year as I was working on a play. I, I worked on quite a few new plays, but it hit me one day how terrifying it must be for a writer to have to choose a director for the first production of the play because so much of that play henceforth and forevermore is defined by that first production. I mean, in terms of everything, in terms of the rewrite, in terms of you know whatever work gets done on the play, the production itself, whether the production fares well or not. I mean, I just... I thought, my God, if I were a writer, uh, you know, I would, it's, a, it's very scary. And um, I always feel as though I have to rise to it as a director, I think. So, I mean, I basically agree with what's been said here. Thank you. Tony, in terms of the, the rehearsal process, the play has been selected. Should the playwright be involved in the rehearsal process? Oh, yes. Uh, I, I'd like to connect that question and just say something on the other thoughts because I think my position is very different from what I've heard and it might be valuable perhaps to just hear a difference. I really uh, go much further than what Pam was just talking about, although I agree with everything she said, that I, th I always feel my obligation is to the play. And uh, mainly because I think that if the playwright were directing his or her own play, they would be cheating themselves of that other... I, that other voice, that, that collaborative process. It's not that I think I'm better than they would be directing the play, it's just that I didn't write it. So therefore I have something different that has to happen in the way I'm seeing the play. I try very hard not to talk to the writer too much about what the writer's vision within the play is all about. I try very hard when I go into rehearsal to be completely free. My assumption is, and I particularly like working on a new play that's never been done before in which the scenes are coming in different pages and whatever, where there is no form, there's no Samuel French version that gets in your way. You know, it's just words and whatever. That is my favorite way to spend my time, frankly. And what I really like to do is to go into rehearsal with those words that have come out of somebody else's heart and soul and try to bring them to life in the best way I know how. Now, to connect it to your present question, I like the playwright to be there as often as possible. Not every day, because they're only going to wind up getting worn down by the very boring process that a good deal of rehearsal is all about in terms of little detail. I prefer that they come in whenever they want to, whenever they are fresh, whenever they can be somewhat objective. But I do like them around because I speak very openly about what it is I think is in the play, in the scene, in the moment, in the line. Then the writer is free to challenge me to say, I don't know what you're doing with that scene. It's nothing of what I had in mind when I wrote it. And that's okay. That's a perfectly legitimate thing with me because at least, and first of all, it doesn't automatically mean that I'm wrong and he or she is right. It merely means we have some difference in how we're viewing those words. There's a chance now to talk amongst ourselves. So I like all of the talk to come out of the work that I'm doing in rehearsal. And uh, I, like the, I even like the, uh, the author to be at the auditions, even though I do take the assumption 
that if you've hired me to direct the play, you've got to give me the opportunity, the instruments to put together so that I can direct your play. I am ultimately trying to give the playwright what the playwright wanted, but I assume that was the play. So then I'm going to throw myself into it with the playwright there in open conversation at any time where there is disagreement, but I'm not always going to assume that the playwright's intention is necessarily the only intention or even the best one. I think that I would probably say if there was a major disagreement and it had to go one way or another, I would probably give in. But I would like to think that in the opportunity of a disagreement, I might also be able to prove that what I was seeing in that scene was a more interesting thing than what they had originally put into it. And perhaps we then need what Woody was saying before, more work done on the text if they agree for it to get to that point. I guess I'm saying I think the collaboration is, uh, <laughs> we've said a marriage and we've said an affair. Maybe I would prefer now that I've done it for so many years and I tried the marriage and I tried the affair and I really ultimately don't like either of those but maybe uh, the ideal collaboration would be between two divorced people uh, where they have total freedom because they really have no other bondage but the desire to get the play right. Woody, do you desire the playwright to be within the rehearsal process? Um, as a producer, and yeah, I would like the writer to be there because I've gotten involved in producing plays where um, the director said he loved it and the day rehearsal started he hated it as soon as he signed his contract <laughs> the same thing with actors who would say this will never work but in the audition process it's one of the greatest plays that's ever written and if the writer is not there then I as a producer would have to be there to, you know so yes I uh, would rather the writer be there I've seen um, also where directors who sometimes fancy themselves as writers and will really suggest a major rewrite and when the New York Times whoever said it was terrible they say I had nothing to do with it and they had everything to do with it because they had the power okay now as a uh, director I spent a lot of time uh, on a play I, and I not saying all directors don't think this but uh, if I want to direct a play I would spend at least three months on it before I started otherwise I'll just turn it down if I can't do it, and I think this comes from having been a producer, or being a producer, if I can't do it, usually I know who can. So I have some idea of who can do it better than I can. And uh, I think this is just the commercial nature of <laughs> right? But uh, there are some people who direct, they shouldn't direct certain kind of plays. And a writer will get involved with that director simply because he wants his play on and uh, really don't know the process in which he would have to go through in order to achieve that. It's like some writers really want a certain kind of actor in their plays, but they've never worked with that actor. And uh, that, and it could be a very destructive kind of thing. So as a director, uh, I would have to agree with my producer side. Yes, I think it's absolutely essential that a writer is there during the development of a new play. Steve? Well, I'm glad to hear Woody use the word essential that a writer needed. Uh, I am particularly uh, hairy on the subject of writers being treated with respect and that playwrights are called writers. A lot of them 
a lot of people don't consider playwrights as writers. And that gets to my nether parts. And uh, I at least think we should be asked and, and to hear someone say that they think it is essential that we be there. Now, I am not the type of writer who even likes to be there. An actor once told me I scared him just being here. And ever since then, I've sort of like been away from the rehearsal season. I come only when asked, uh, but I am asked. And uh, that, I think, is very important, that writers be treated uh, with respect in this country. The, you know, because we aren't, we aren't very respected uh, anymore here. We're not thrown in jail for uh, political things that we may write anymore. Uh, um, right in this building, um, some years ago, we wrote uh, a series of plays called The State of the Union, in which all members of the New Dramatists talked pretty, pretty badly about the current residents of the White House. And uh, that, that son came to one of the audiences. And we were all still here. You know, we talked about his mother like a dog. And we all still here. We talked about his father. But we're not respected enough. We're not, we're not considered dangerous, dangerous enough in other countries when there's an uprising in government, writers are the first ones thrown in jail because they're too dangerous. But uh, I like to think of us as being treated with uh, some respect. Um, I like to think of the director not really separating play from playwright uh, because to me, the playwright is that play at the moment. Um, and that... I am the play, uh, uh, and it is uh, the vision that is there to be enforced, enhanced, and any of the other ends you can think of. But um, I, you know, I am not saying that I am not respectful of what the play, of what the director brings to the play. I wouldn't dare direct, think of directing my own play, especially a first version of it. The only time I've ever done a direction uh, on my play is about the sixth production of something when the director, who we wanted, really got sick and there was no time. And basically what I did was I used every note that he had ever given in another production that I told basically just do it as he said to do it before. Uh, but that's the only time I could ever uh, direct a play because um, you surrender the play, the minute it's going to be done, because nobody then really refers to it anymore as your play. Uh, you see any actor who happens to be in it, and the actor's going to tell his friends, listen, I want you to come and see the opening of my play. <laughs> the, set, the set designer will say, are you coming to see my show? And, you know, the director says it's, it's his show. And so it's no longer yours. And, um, you know, we don't really fight that a lot. But I do like to think that we would at least be asked. <laughs> Jack, would you respond to the same question? Um, I'm, I, it's very difficult to keep me away from any rehearsal, if it's anywhere near where I am. Uh, and the only times I've ever really gotten into trouble is when I didn't have an enormous amount of pre-production really believe that in talking for as long as possible so that there are simply no surprises. And if the surprises come up, they come up in rehearsal with the actors and we 
kind of it's a light bulb that goes off because we go, oh, we could do this a different way. But I, every time I've gotten in trouble with a production or director, because someone came to see a reading here, New Dominus, mine said, gosh, I love your play, I'm going to take it somewhere and do it. And I didn't check them out, I didn't talk to them, and I'll go in and see a very realistic, naturalistic play done in just, you know, a very strange way that has nothing to do with the play. And um, so I, I, I think I go to rehearsal more than even check up to make sure they're okay, or check up on them, make sure it's all in the, in the right style and everybody's happy and stuff. But I, I, I have I have missed weeks of rehearsal time the directors asked me to, and I and um, and I usually when I go back there, <clears throat> I find that's for a reason because you're scared of me or you're going to try something that you didn't talk about or. Um, and so I really like to be there all the time. And um, I, uh, the thing about pre-production, I think most important, is that I don't, I think, you know, we need to talk about the director and writer for as long as it takes before we go into rehearsal so that there's no confusion between us of what we're going for. Um, and I've had real good experiences every time I've done that. When I've, when I've done something overnight and someone I didn't know, it's, it's usually Pamela, what happens when your intent uh, challenges what the playwright believes is his or her intent? I wish I could say I, I always defer to the playwright, but I can't say that that's true. Um, I agree that with whom Jack, I think, said that it, I try to avoid that as much as possible by really spending a lot of time talking about things before we get into rehearsal. As you said, it's so that there are as few surprises as possible. Um, but we know the surprises. They do occur. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if there's any easy answer. I mean, Obviously, that's happened. Sometimes it hasn't been particularly pleasant. Um, you always have to, in some way, get through it and get on with it. Um, and I think each situation is sort of, you know, dictated its own terms. Um, usually, it does come about when I have interpreted something differently from the what the author is intended. So that's that's where things start to go awry. So I think usually we have to go away and uh, you know after rehearsal and have a long talk over a couple of drinks and um, you know sort of get back to square one. I, I can't even say that there's a, an easy solution. I mean sometimes it's a problem, but you have to work through it. You have to work through it and 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 work it out. Um, I would say because ultimately I would most of the time in those instances I would say that I usually do come around to the playwright's way of thinking although as, as you said if I really uh, truly believe that the play sometimes I think that somewhere in there subliminally the play wants to say something that the writer may not quite be aware of and I will, I will fight for that as I said, because I feel obligated to the play sometimes in that instance and, and not necessarily to the writer. 
because um, I think they can sometimes be mutually exclusive. John? I was reminded, somebody once said about putting on musical comedies, it's, it's our champion, so <clears throat> getting a musical comedy on was a matter of muscle and compromise. <laughs> and I sort of think that's what happens between the playwright and director. Uh, sometimes it comes down to muscle. You know, this is the way I want this play. Um, and sometimes it's compromise. <laughs> Where you, you know, you listen, oh, oh, I see. Gee, I never thought about that. Well, of course, let me rewrite it. I'll rewrite it. So I just, I, for me, as a, as a writer or a director, I, I'm not, I don't like channeling. It's a bad habit we have at Circle Rep, or some people would call it a bad habit. We don't channel much. We don't stand much on, on protocol about whether the director speaks or the, or the playwright speaks. It's pretty loose. And... Uh, I generally stay away as a playwright. I will stay away from the... I'll hear the... I'm interested in the words. That's all I'm really interested in. Once all the, the pre-production work is... And that's so important. You're right. Well, if you get the wrong set... I, you know, one thing that makes me the angriest is a director who has secret conferences with his designers. I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> and then they bring and they show me this, you know? And I said, as I recently said, you're in a lot of trouble, but go ahead and do it. Because it's too late now. You've already got the bids in he was not true. But uh, I'm off the track. I got angry there. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I'm interested in the words. The playwright, I, I'm interested in the words. I want to hear the words. I want to see if they fit the actor. If the actor can't remember a line, a lot of times I know the line is wrong. If you can't make a transition, I know it's written wrong. If he keeps bumping into the same walls all the time, it's my fault, my problems as a playwright. I've got to change that. But I think the first week, week and a half, two weeks, is really directors, finally playwright only. That's the director's time. I give them that much time. <laughs> I stay away. Let them do the work that they have to do. I think a playwright, I try to come in when the director wants me to come in. Unless there's certain scenes that I think are, I have a problem with, they're not written well, I might want to come in and try to work, work it together. But I generally stay away for a long time, really, until the director wants me to come in. And as long as the work has been done between the two of us, I don't have to be there. Uh, and, you know, you can call. When I'm directing my own plays, the writers will ask for a line change, and I'll say, well, i got to talk to the playwright. <laughs> I'll get back to you tomorrow. <laughs> Paul, did you respond to that question about, as a director, um, your intent versus... Well, sure. Well, one thing is there's got to be some, I'll call it disagreement. I don't mean that. There's got to be some exploration between the director and the writer, or you're not doing the job right. As the process begins to happen, it comes alive, and it starts to breathe. If the script doesn't, shift a bit, it's not living, something's wrong. And also, the, the particular cast you've got, of course, the particular actors, are going to live these characters in a way that the next seven people you get together in another town uh, won't. It'll be quite different, of course, or something is very wrong. It better be different. And uh, uh, so there's got to be areas where the director has questions, and also maybe he or she thinks they have answers, and there's got to be places for the writer, too, where they say, what I wrote was, was exactly what I and now I see, in fact, that it's got two possible tangents to it. Yeah. I mean, that's an important part of the process, so it, I don't think it, it would be a strange production, indeed, if it all went right down the line. No matter how wonderful the initial piece was on paper, it, it really, there's so many different types of surprises. It, I, mean, sometimes it, I mean, I believe in complete openness. I like the playwright to be there and the actors, and I believe in stopping. I like the actors to be free also to stop and say, this gives me trouble or whatever. And I believe in being able to turn to the writer and the writer being able to say to us, oh, excuse me, 
um, it's got to be a terribly open process, and everybody's sort of got to be. We don't know what the end is going to be, but everybody's got to be throwing their, their pieces of meat into the fire. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to exactly answer what the. But Woody, what happens when it comes down to emphatically the moment that, that the playwright says, no, that's not my intention, and you, the director, respond with that, that you have an alternative intention for the play? Well, I, I really believe I explained very carefully what I meant by doing it that way. And the writer says, I did not mean it that way. This is what I meant. I, I don't have any problems at all of trying his or her way. Uh, I really don't think the amount of work that I put into the, to the process of getting there, that writer has had that kind of time to put into it. I just don't believe it. I think he came into the first rehearsal, and that's the point that he sees. I mean, that first week of rehearsal, for example, where we all we do is sit around the table and talk about the play, talk about the play, and I will know the problem that I'm going to have at a certain point. And we will have already argued about it before we get to that point. I guess secondly, where all we do is block it and move it. We know then what Trump's to take out. And third week, when they're when they're cursing because they can't get their lines, you know. Um, so when we get to that moment, uh, all it is for me in reality is a moment. Because if I got what I want the other two hours, and he needs that moment to say that's what his play is about. I think, sitting here talking about it, because I've been through that a lot, I would give in to that moment. Because uh, ultimately, the, the play is not about that moment. But if uh, we get to a point where the play, the ending of the play, and this is the final statement, this is the final image, you know. Um, uh, and it was a, 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 a very difficult discussion then it's usually about something else. It's something, it's usually about an ego need before these five or six actors and the theater itself, or re, I mean, examining myself to see if it's an ego need that needs fulfilled. And uh, it's usually not, it's not about the place when you run into those kind of uh, uh, impasses. It's about something else. It's about, I mean, you know, I, I heard a writer say, I don't like the way this director walks around in rehearsal like it's his and his alone. So already, it was not about how well he was doing the play. It was about something else. Uh, or a director say, well, he comes in here, he demands this, and he demands that, he demands, he demands. It was, it was not about what he had written. It was about his tone of voice. So it's usually about something else. And so when we come to an impasse, when I'm directing the play, I will usually... Uh, and it's either, I can use the word acquiesce, it, it's really an impasse. I would acquiesce to what the writer wants. Can I, can I just ask Woody, this okay. question, just for my own clarification, for these deaf ears, did you say that, um, did I understand it when you say you don't believe that the writer has spent as much time at this uh, project as what you've done on the play? The writer has not spent, with this cast of people, mm. three of, you know, normal. That, that's the part I was missing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Another thing. Another thing I can point out with certain clarity, right? Okay. Uh, and uh, with some of the better producer directors, okay, they would sit down with a writer and say, "On page ten, you said so and so and so." On page, because they've read it so much, the writer has 
You don't, you don't know what he said on page 10. I have no idea what he said on page 10. Say what? <laughs> I'm, I'm saying a lot of writers. I'm, I'm talking a lot of writers. A lot of writers. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, Woody. John, what? I just want to make a, a point that I found also, you probably have too, all your books probably have, that often playwrights have a visceral thing that they want to see. It's just this little moment. You know, and it really doesn't have a lot to do with the right. whole play. It's just that his mother always wore red handkerchief and turned around a certain way. And, or she wants to see the father come in the door and shut the door behind him. And you go crazy. And then you understand that, oh, that's what it is. Okay. It's this little thing that I know as a writer, I understand it. I just want to see that up there. You know, you can do anything else. I want to see that up there. And, you know, it helped me as a director when I first bumped into that and realized that's what it was. It's a little, I call it a quirk, but it's Don't a wonderful, you? beautiful, internal need. And I love it when it happens and I discover that's what it is. Don't you feel that comes about in writers who don't really know about the theatrical process? I think so. Yeah. Almost always. Yeah. Almost, almost always. Yeah. So do you want to respond to the Yes, I think the question is actually the most explosive question you've asked because what uh, Paul was talking about before is very important, and that is that from the time the play has been put on paper until the time it gets to the public, it ha life has to happen. The playwright has done everything that he or she could to potentially allow for that life. It's what Alan Schneider used to refer to as the playwright was the author of the script and the director was the author of the production. Not that we want to keep those titles because it's too confusing, but the point being, the production does require all kinds of movement from words to reality, different <coughs> actors, different days of rehearsal, different times that the playwright should say to him, him or herself, oh my God, I never realized until I heard that actress say that speech, what was really in that speech, and I don't think I've actually gotten all of that there yet. It is a life force process. And that's why I said before, I think that if you go into rehearsal, with too much pre, uh, this is my personal opinion, too much pre-production where all you have found out is what the author wants you to say with that play. You may be cheating that author out of anything you, the actors and the designers, I think the author, by the way, should participate in all pre-production so that there are no major surprises. But I don't think that what everybody should be doing is trying to give to that writer only what they want because there's a much bigger thing going to happen. And if they have successfully written the play, it should have the potential to be done successfully by numerous different kinds of people. I'm not saying every production is equal to every other production. Hamlet, as we all know, has been completely destroyed more often than it hasn't been. So I'm not saying that every version of some idiot director or idiot actor is equally as good to every other. But I am saying that there are numerous good versions of anything that has been created that is complete, and that is what a play is. The hardest thing in the world to create is a good play. Maybe it's just as hard to bring it to life, but you need courage to go through all of that process. So when a playwright says, that's not what I was thinking of in the second act, you should listen to the playwright because you may learn something. You should also, once you've listened, make a choice as to whether you can help the playwright see something anew also. It's a very exciting process, but it takes a lot of courage. And it's not a time to be seducing each other in any way. It's a time to be honest, I think. And uh, that's a very hard thing to get to. 
in rehearsal. Everything I'm saying, by the way, is much easier coming out of my mouth than anything I've ever experienced, I want you to understand. But the idealism is what the vision is all about. And if we really were to go into rehearsal, if we had what we should have, which is longer rehearsal periods, more opportunity and previews to fail, and the greater idealism, which is to be able to run the show for a week and go back to rehearsal for a week or 10 days, and then start the process of opening it, that would be the ideal process here about learning. And I think you've got to be, just one other thing I want to say, I think as a director you've got to be careful. If you have, as I said earlier, more experience than unfortunately most playwrights, because they haven't had the chance to go to bat as often as you have as a director, you've got to be careful of turning it into a power play, because you will almost always win. In other words, if you're not going to try to understand what the playwright wants just because you have more experience, you're a fool. I wasn't trying to ever exclude the playwright. I was just trying to make it clear that the director has their own position in what that rehearsal is all about. Jack, do you want to respond to the um, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I find that oftentimes, and I still, I still believe in pre-production, I, I, I work here in New Drums today, you know, doing like probably six or eight readings of a play before um, over a year's time of the same piece, reworking it with the same director. And oftentimes, even with all the pre-production, we'll find that something at the end is, is a problem with casting that we'll get in there and, and um, it hasn't been either one of us that, that we've tried to work it out, tried to work it out. I've rewritten an opening to a new play eight times with the director screaming, I can't find the motivation, I don't know what this character's about, and I keep saying, it's just a stupid person, you're trying to go too deep, and, and all this, and, and you suddenly hit upon an actor that just gives it to you. Um, and um, so oftentimes, it's, it even seems with all the talk, it's out, it's, the miracle comes from someplace else, or it comes from an absolute stranger walking in and giving you the, the key to the whole thing. That, that you can't find. So it isn't that path, I don't think. But, but um, um, I don't know. I, I, I still believe that, that the problem, uh, the only time that I've kind of, when I've worked with directing my own work, I've, I've done it when I've, I would go through a really bad production with a director and go off. And I think this is valid that I will have a, a vision of what I wanted that I didn't get. But I'll take their good work and then go do it myself and say that's finally what I, what I wanted to say. It doesn't mean necessarily the production's any good, but, um, but finally, you know, um, there's some satisfaction and, and occasionally maybe you, what you have to say is just so personal that you're never going to get across to a director and you have to get out of your system by doing it yourself and directly. Steve, what happens in the production of when your intention conflicts with that of the director? It, it has gone, uh, it has gone both ways in that, uh, um, sometimes the director has proven his point. And, uh, you know, I mean, I've been around a while, <laughs> so I can see other sides. And, um, my, I'll give you an example of when I had a problem with the director. 
where I wasn't even in the same city uh, where the play was being produced. And I go to here for the first preview, and I see on set is this enormous kitchen. Uh, there is no kitchen in the play. <laughs> a line that said, I can come out of the kitchen. And that's the only thing. So all of the play took place on this side of the stage, and this enormous kitchen took place. Uh, I asked the director why this kitchen was there, and he said, that, you know, but isn't it great? Set designer. It was a great looking set, but I had to convince him that you must do something in the kitchen. So... <laughs> I mean, the, the audience's focus was on this big, empty kitchen throughout two thirds of the play. So, the first scene of the last act, the director had an actor go into the kitchen to be told to come out. Uh, it's that's the thing where I faulted not set design because I was going to say, you know, didn't he at least read the play? I faulted the director there because I said, didn't the director tell him I don't need this? And um, I have only had um, one, two other problems with directors in, in, uh, in my experience. And the one I think was the even worse than the kitchen incident was when I was called from California on some other matters. And then at the end of the conversation, I was told, oh, by the way, we cut uh, some of Picton's lines because the actor at playing it couldn't remember them. And uh, they hung up the phone on me. And I kind of stood there like this with the phone in my hand. And I called them back to let them know I was on my way to Kennedy Airport to come out and demolish the theater. They, they put the lines back. But the thing was that they took them out because uh, an actor could not remember lines. And, and I, I just really asked since he since this actor really had one major speech, uh, what is an actor really supposed to, what is their job, if, if not part of it, to uh, remember lines? Well, they put it back. The actor was, was fine. Everything went fine. The problem was that the director said, the artistic director cut them. The artistic director said that the director cut them. And I let them know that neither one of them wrote them that they weren't precious to me. If I really thought those lines were in the way of the, of the uh, production, uh, if I thought those lines meant nothing to the production or meant little, I would have cut them. Because I do put in lines to plays so that I can get some of my vision across. If something really is important to me, I do put it in dialogue. And as soon as the director directs that part, I say those lines can go because it's now in the play. But um, so the lines, you know, while important, are not gospel to me. I, I, I can stand to see some lines cut. Indeed, have cut a lot at, at the request of directors. I, I work very well with directors, except for three. Thanks. Pamela, you want to make a comment? Yeah, I was just thinking about the question you asked. I thought it was sort of stymied when you reach that impasse. I think, you know, so much of what the theater is about, we, and we wish we did have more, is time. And I think 
whenever I've hit those snags, it comes down to, okay, let's try it this way, or would you give me more time so that I, you know, I can try to make it work, or, okay, let's, let's do try it your way, um, you know, and we will make it work to the best of our ability, and then take a look. I think that's usually how it happens um, when you hit those, those moments where there seems to be, you know, you're, you're both butting your heads up against each other. It comes down to taking a look at what's there, see if it works, and then it will either become, hopefully, usually it becomes apparent to either of us what's working and what's not. And then you take it from there. I mean, I think most of the time that's, that's how you solve the problem. Thank you. We're now going to uh, take any of your questions. Here. Anyone on the panel? Yes, sir. Yeah. If, uh, naturally, the remaining 10% can ruin any budget. But it has been said, I think you have another thing, that good direction, at least in realistic is 90% good past it. Now, uh, how does the panel feel about that? And if this is so, whose voice should be considered most when casting takes place? Tony? First of all, I... I always am amused at that percentage because it varies with whomever is telling the story. Uh, and somehow, they always seem to imply that if it's 90% the cast or 50% the cast or 75% the cast, that that means somehow that the cast are going to make the whole thing work. Just by choosing the right people, you have a successful project. So I think the best way to think it through is to say, Every aspect, every ingredient of the collaboration is 100% important. If you get a good cast, you have 100% opportunity from the good cast that that will work. You still have to direct them. You still have to have 100% of a design. You still have to have 100% of an understanding of the text. No group of actors walks into a rehearsal period with an overview or an objective through line of understanding a person's play because all they can do is bring to life the person they're playing and breathe life with the other actors into that scene. As a matter of fact, that's part of your job is to help them do that. But you're also, it seems to me, hired to protect the play, to interpret it, to, to give to that play the very life from your point of view you think was intended all along. So I, I, I just want you to know that whether it's 90% or 100% or 50%, don't ever think it means that then the director should then go to the movies and come back for previews, you know, because nothing is going to get done. If you go to the theater today, you'll see lots of fabulous actors on the stage doing horrendously bad work and plays and productions suffering very often. It's a very hard job. So if you had 100% of every ingredient you need to make the work work, you may still fail. Yeah, I do. I think, um, I think part of the question, your question was uh, who, who's involved in casting? I, mean, I, think, I think that uh, it's, very, it's very, very important that the playwright be a part of casting. However, one thing that I've experienced in the same way as I think, Tony, you mentioned before, that through the rehearsal process, a lot of the play becomes illuminated to the playwright, him or herself. I think that's really true in casting. And I think there have been times when uh, I have felt that the playwright had some very strong physical image 
of a character that was really not allowing you know him or her to open uh, open himself up to, to other possibilities or if the play is very autobiographical that they're getting stuck because they're seeing somebody who is you know six feet tall and 180 pounds and and to break through some of that so you know that's that's been my experience in a number of cases that it's essential that the playwright be there on the other hand I think sometimes you have to help the playwright open him or herself up to who comes in the who comes in the room uh, I think that uh, most playwrights especially beginning playwrights uh, they do have an idea of who they want in the play. Uh, a lot of times that is wrong. Only, really only a director would know who is going to lead his performance at that audition, who is the best person. The director really is the one who has had the overall experience with a group of actors, with many groups of actors, and uh, could tell just who has come in to that uh, audition and has blown everybody away in the audition and the director might still know this is the person who gives this great audition that not this part. So I think then you have to really uh, uh, defer, uh, in most cases, to the, the director on who is going to be the director. Next question. I've been working in California with directors and writers in my prison novels. I just want to say it's a pleasure to hear you all and to see directors and writers getting along like this. Because in California, when they hand a script, you can't get anyone to tell them. They take away your parking spot. <laughs> and they don't want to hear from you ever again. They tell them, you know, they tell them you're going to have the motion picture. And watching this process here, for me, is a thrill. Thank you. Cam said something about whether the playwright in here intends or better than the director. To what do we do think it's a very individual thing that some playwrights write from very in a very subconscious mode and some playwrights are more malleable in any case as, as people or as writers? So can you generalize that? Who knows best? Can you generalize that? I think you probably just said it all. Um, <laughs> no, because I think it does, it does change. And certainly there have, I mean, there really have been many cases where I, I have been off the track and, and a playwright has really steered me back in the right direction. Um, but I think also vice versa in terms of, you know, through talking things through, the, the writer became aware of something. So I, I, my, my experience has been on an, a, an individual basis. And also a lot of it comes with experience. I think. How many times a writer has been able to go, as, as you said, has been able to go through the process of rehearsal and what that's about and learning a lot from the actors. The actors begin to tell you a lot about what's working in the play and what's not. Uh, I guess this is specifically for writers, but I guess anyone can answer it. Uh, when a writer is sitting down to write, given our current uh, economical conditions of theater, are you concerned with the number of characters you put in your script in terms of, because a producer may say, well, I can't afford you uh, on show with 10 characters or 8 characters. Does that get in the way of your creative uh, thinking you have to make sure that you have small cast or one set or whatever you know, to play on? I, I can't speak for most playwrights. It doesn't bother me because uh, 
it's not a major concern of mine because, uh, well, I just, I was commissioned to write a play. I put 14 characters in it, and it's about uh, the Olympic team, and they said, you know, it's mighty small, don't you need more people? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I mean, the play demanded these 14 people, uh, but I have never, that's not been a consideration with me. I don't know about other people. You do have playwrights who want to get their play done and who have never had a play done and will uh, sort of uh, go with the music that you need for your characters just to get that play on. Um, as I say, I was, I've been very fortunate in my life in being connected with theaters where there have been companies. So uh, I have written for those companies and I have not really had to worry about just how many people are going to What do you want to say? Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to... I'm saying this as a producer, right? Because it is really not as difficult as you think to get a play on and get it done. A lot of writers may think it's very, very difficult, and I know we're going to write a seminar. But there are... You've got to know the history of a theater. You've got to know something about the person who's running that theater. You've got to know what pushes his button or her button. Okay. There are theaters where the director of that theater don't like me at all. And I know I can send him a play and he'll do it. Because he may not do it this week, he may not do it next week, but he won't send it back because I know something about him, I know his <laughs> politics, I know his history, what he's about, where he comes from, and it's going to be very hard for him to turn that play down because in denying that play, he denies a part of himself. And it's very difficult for certain theater producers and professionals to do that. You've got 30 people in the play. They will find a way to get it on if it tells him about his background and who he is and what he's about and how he got to be there in some sort of beautiful and artistic form. Okay, uh, there are plays that I can't even raise the money to get. I won't send them back to the author because I am saying one day I am going to find the money to do this play. I'm going to do it, and I'll be. Okay. And the other thing about these people who put plays on, I mean, we could be in a room. They could be in a room like this, full of people. They can hear the person who's going to put up the money. It, it breathes. You know, it, you know, it, it, it gets to be a, a part of one's life, you know, whether it's the endowment, the NISCO, or wherever. You can almost hear the new application for funds. You know what I mean? Okay. So what I'm saying is it would be very, very beneficial to a writer to do a little bit more study about who runs the theater, why he's running, and how he got to be in that position. Then we get a lot more plays done. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, um, I like that question that uh, may not necessarily have one specific answer, but if you could try to generalize, when you do get your hands, I guess this is towards the directors, when you do get your hands on a play that you like enough that you want to go ahead and direct it, and then you start seeing things that need to be changed. Typically, can you give some idea of what scope might need to be changed because it might have been one percent of the lines that there will change to other whole pages were seen as to be completely thrown out altogether or completely, you know, the teachers to play 
Paul? Uh, well, I, there's no hard and fast rule in regards to play to play, but I'll give you an example. It doesn't always happen this way. I've been asked very recently to direct a play next season in Circle Red. It's a very appealing job. It's a two-character play, and the actress is a very famous actress. It's very appealing. It's got a lot of cachet, a job like that. I've read the play, and I find it needs to be rewritten from the word go. What I'm tempted to do is to accept the job go into rehearsal and say, this has got to just be done from where it goes, not a play. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go in and say, I, I, I'm very interested, but unless we can come to some agreement here, I just think that there isn't a play here at all. And I assume when I do that, they'll say, take a walk. And they're right, because they've, they've got a slot for it, they've got a star, and why not? They've made their choice, they should do it. But, I mean, that's one case where, yes, I'm responding to a particular script, and I think the entire thing is misguided. I may be wrong, but I, I don't find any play in it at all. Hmm? <coughs> oh, I am. Well, you know the piece. Of course I do. Oh, oh. <laughs> anyway, the playwright said, I'm right. It's interesting for the writer. If, if the play has to be rewritten yeah. from the word go, why is it being done? Happens all the time. Look, look, at, look, at, look at the shit that's done. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I, incidentally, must say on the other I side. I thought of those were the plays that were rewritten from the word go. I see. Perhaps. <laughs> I think it's almost impossible to get a play done these days in commercial theater. I'm interested to say that. I don't know how writers survive. I just think it's almost impossible to get plays done. And I do. Th I know that writers do say, I will not write more than a four or five character play because I haven't got a fair in hell of getting it produced. So there is that side of it uh, on that question, too. I do know that a lot of very well-known writers will say, that's a given. I, I conceive plays, occasionally seven characters, but usually four or three for, the, for commercial reasons. And these are serious writers. Tony, you want to respond? I would say probably 17 years ago, I did a pre-Broadway tryout for Kermit Bloomgarden. Got to know him very well during that period of time. And uh, one of the things that Kermit insisted that was good theater policy, none of us should ever forget. And the advice he gave me was never, ever go into the first day of rehearsal with a script that wasn't ready. Because the rehearsal is about... The few weeks for rehearsal is about the production of that script, not the finding of that play. Unfortunately, in the 17 years since that wonderful advice, I have almost, old, I have almost never been able to follow it because of what Paul is saying. The wheels are turning. Somebody has picked it. There's already a star involved. Uh, someone else believes in it. It's hard to convince somebody that even though it's a good idea, it's not really ready and the next thing you know, you're worrying about trying to find the play. You've got three and a half weeks of rehearsal. Trying to find the play, trying to get through all of the interpretation, plus the production problems, and let everybody learn their lines and get in front of an audience. And everybody thinks magic is going to take place. But if you go into rehearsal with something that is crippled and filled with diseases, it's unlikely that you're going to find the cure and solve it in three and a half weeks. You try to go into... Oh, it's not uncommon at all. I'm only saying it, I don't think it, it accomplishes what everybody's believing, the romanticism. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. I, I think you try to go into the rehearsal, you say, we want the play to be perfect when we go into rehearsal, and you know, of course, that it never will be. You get it the best possible shape you can, because inevitably things will change as soon as you go into rehearsal, and you've got living, breathing people up there. There will be other work to be done, so you want to get it in what you consider to be the best, best, best possible shape. John, you I just want to address one thing. One, one problem I, I, would, I would think with being a director totally is that you have to keep directing. 
And so you may have to take a play that Paul says he's going to turn that play down. That's why. It's too many times I find directors do a play because it is at Circle Rep, or it is somewhere, and don't believe in it. Uh, if you don't believe in it, then you shouldn't do it. And that's when you really screw the playwright up, because the playwright could find somebody who believes in it. I mean, i, I got to tell you an example. When Mass Appeal was brought to Circle Rep, I hated it, and I told Marshall the same thing, and he hated it, and we didn't do it. That's a good play. We were wrong. Or we were right. I don't know. But what I'm saying is don't get in there and do massive rewrites. I've seen the beginning of all of Lanford's plays, and they don't take massive rewrites. They don't take massive rewrites. Uh, no, it's a comment that uh, one of the movie, people in the production, usually a producer knows the director, the director knows actors, or work with them, actors know each other. So the playwright is really sort of taking a chance as far as the director. It's to me just a pity that we don't get more of an opportunity to watch directors in action as you can't do. But and not being paid to say this, by the way. I had an opportunity to watch Tony a few years back at the O'Neill Center. And he is one of the most sensitive, honest directors I know. I'm happy to direct anything of mine without question. But that was because in the six-week period, I was able to watch him in rehearsal. I did pay her, by the way. She is being paid for that comment. <laughs> she will be anyway. Yes. argumentative process. I, I don't mean you don't have to go out in the alley. But uh, 
I mean someone who can really... Uh, I, I recently ran into a director that I did not respect because he capitulated to an actor saying that he didn't want something in the, in the production. And I, I just asked him, because it wasn't my production, I said, how are you going to handle that? And he said, well, it won't be there. And I just said, well, he won't, you know, he won't direct any of my plays. Thank you. One last question. Yes, we um, In connection with the, uh, Pam Berman's comment about how scared the writer must be when he has to pick out a director for that, that first shot, you know, and I'm thinking of the reference that Hefner made how, how lucky he was to have started writing the first five nights. Um, just uh, like in your present case of the Steel Magnolias, had you worked with this writer for this? How were you chosen? I can tell you how I was informed that I was chosen. I, I, you know, I don't know what... Well, um, work? In that particular case, um, <coughs> they had, Kyle Rennick of the WPA had chosen to do the play and they were looking for a director. And the writer did not know a director that he wanted? Um, no, not to, not to my knowledge. Um, he had seen a play that I had done a number of years ago. So he didn't know me, but he's seen a play that I'd done. Kyle at the WPA, and I'd never worked at the WPA. Kyle was also familiar with my work. And um, so they called. We all met. Talked. I mean, I read the play. We talked about the play. I talked about what I liked about the play. I also talked a, a bit about what I, I, the work that I thought it needed. And um, that's how it happened in that particular instance. OK, just this last question. Thank you. Um, I went to arbitration about two weeks in regards to the first production of my play, last, my first play you know, last summer. And uh, what led up to that is uh, after the director took me aside, uh, right, well, I took him aside and I said, uh, there's something really going wrong here. I'm not seeing my vision. I know you spoke about play arbitration. I said, I'm not seeing my vision of the play at all here. It's really you know, way out. which is, where was the producer? It seems to me that your, uh, you know... The producer was the artistic director. Well, I mean that. Also the director. Oh, 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 I see. Okay. It's just that one of the things we must never forget is that the greatest uh, loss that maybe we're having in the contemporary theater is the lack of great producers. 
and that there were people for years who took time with the play, even before they got a director. Uh, they took time with the writer. It was the person who optioned the play. And that person really was the one who, if there was disagreement, could sit together. There shouldn't be... A, I don't think it should come down to just director and playwright because naturally at times when there can't be either, we talked about tonight, compromise or convincing or persuading and whatever, but naturally there are going to be a few brick walls along the way. It seems to me the producer has to come in and say, what I want from this play is such and such or I don't want that. And uh, so, But in that case, I understand you had a multiple... Well, uh, what happened? Did, you, did the play go on? What? Did the play go on? What, what did you do? It didn't go on there. I produced it myself at another theater in November, and I directed it myself. And I saw my vision of the play on the stage. I got a great review, and I've had uh, a couple nice theaters request copies of the script, including the one. The arbitration is that I had in my contract with them, they had exclusive rights to produce or not to produce the play, and they chose not to produce it, but I still want. Sure. Woody, did you want to respond? No, I was going to say what kind of contract do you have that would allow them to go ahead and do the play without you having any kind of input? Well, in my contract, it said that no changes would be made in the script without the express permission of the author, which I reminded him, and uh, he said I didn't do it. Well, with that unfortunate story, we do have to conclude the seminar. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Masters of the Stage. This program was made possible by support from the Stage Directors and Choreographers Society, the National Labor Union celebrating five decades representing the needs and aspirations of its members.